0: It is another edition of WTLP Huddle. They keep asking us back, which is a good thing. it's good to see Christian tanned and relaxed and back from the honeymoon. Rob Woodfork is with us Dave Preston and then George Wallace as well. And here we go and, and I'll just start with a team that I'm covering pretty closely and we want to talk about this. Uh, the Wizards and, and I just got a, a heartburn as I looked at another headline about the misunderstood Russell Westbrook and, and, and you know what should we know about Russell Westbrook? <laughs> What you should know about Russell Westbrook, he plays hard. He plays hard every play. He he just wants to win. There's nothing complicated about that, and he's the best teammate ever because he wants to elevate everyone else's game. Case in point, he's averaging the league in assists, leading the league in assists. He is at 24 assists the other night uh, in in the win for the uh, the Wizards uh, at home over the Indiana Pacers. But for me, what sums up Russell Westbrook is he battles – Against three forwards for the pacers. He battles, gets the rebound, and shovels it to Alex Len. You know what that makes the score? 2 2. He was fighting for that rebound like it was it was you had to have this rebound to, to keep the game alive. No, they were still gonna play another 47 minutes and change, but he was fighting with three pacers, big man, for that rebound and gets the assist for Alex Len. To me, I, I get it. He had a career high in rebounds at the end of the night, a career high in assists. But it's that play to me that sums up Russell Westbrook. When it's game time, he's on, and that's it. George, we'll, we'll throw it over to you. My assist to you.
1: <laughs> career high. That's a new career high. Career high. Uh, it's 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 fun to watch because he just looks like he's having fun. And he said it. He said it after the game last night. He says he doesn't think about the records. He's just out there having fun hooping. And it really looks like he is. I mean, the way he was playing to the fans, only 2,100 fans, but I like what Scott Brooks said, he, every fan in there, he's making every single fan feel like he's talking to them when he's just doing this and having fun. And and the one play where he fell to the ground, dribbled the ball, got up, and Scott Brooks ends up calling a timeout before he crossed the timeline, and he was just having fun with it. I mean, it, it's just you can tell he makes everybody better on the floor and he, I think it's interesting the way he says he goes into a game and he just sees how he can make everybody better. You get a kind of feel for it once as the game's going on. What does he need to do? Does he need to score? Does he need to dish the ball? Does he need to rebound? And he's obviously doing it all. Uh, but you could just tell the, um, by his demeanor and what he has brought to this team. And how about the fact that he said he was playing with a torn quad muscle at the beginning of the year? Which, no, we knew it was an injury, right? But we didn't know it was torn. I mean, and that just, again, shows you what, you know, today what Dave was saying about everybody saying he's misunderstood. And I think, you know, we didn't know what we were getting here. I mean, we always heard the way he was with teammates in the past, and, you know, we've seen him with the media. But I think everybody in this organization has seen that it is – he is probably misunderstood because what we've been able to see this year is different than what we have seen and heard. In the past, about him—at least that for me. So I'm enjoying watching him. I think he makes this team a lot better, and I think you can tell he's just having a, just a ton of fun. And look, and look how they're playing. I mean, they're they're they're, in, they're right in the thick of things now. Half game behind Indiana, and you they are going to get that eighth spot before this thing's done.
0: Yeah, no, and and look, uh, and uh, the, his critics yeah. are often sources, as, as Scott has yeah. pointed out. They're they're not named players, but you talk to players who want to go on record, and they talk about how he made them a better player. And and that's the other, you hit a nail on the head, George, that that he just reads the game. If he needs to score 42 points, he can. And he did against the Dallas Mavericks in that great battle with Luka Doncic. He didn't need to score 42 points against the Pacers, so he didn't. But he got everybody set up, and and he was part of a 50-assist night. (laughs) We haven't seen that by an NBA team in 31 years. Other than that, he's not doing a damn thing. Chris?
2: First off, uh, watching Monday night's game, do they play, I know, been talked about for years in the NBA, but man, there was no defense played last night. 154-141, goodness gracious, but to Russell Westbrook, 24 assists. I think he solidified himself, if it it was even a question, that he is the most important piece to this team because I compare him in crunch situations to Bradley Beal Saturday night. Now, I know I'm being a little bit critical maybe of Bradley, but uh, 9.2 seconds left. Even if you miss miss the shot, you still can have a chance to foul and then get the ball back. But what does he do? Catches it, dribbles it off his leg. neto has got to save him. Then he shoots it up and misses it, and I'm like – how is Russ not getting the shot here? Um, this is a team that, other than the Knicks, is the hottest in the East. The Knicks are even hotter. But uh, they're. this is about sports, right? I can name hockey, NBA, NFL. If you're the hottest team coming in, you, ha- you have to like your chances. And this is a team that can score with anybody in the Eastern Conference. Who in the Eastern Conference is absolutely like, uh, you know, they're so far and away better than everybody else. There's no chance you can beat them. Brooklyn's great, yes, but their big three never is on the floor together. Milwaukee's good, but they basically don't want to uh, you know, let you have anything outside the paint. They, they're they not so great in half court. I, I just think Washington, the sky's the limit with this team, but have Russell Westbrook shooting the ball in the
3: big moment. It's not Bradley Beal. I can't believe I'm saying that. I know I'm being a little crazy. I I fully agree with you. I fully agree with you because Bradley Beal has come up short in some, I and mean, he's come up clutch here and there. But for the most part, for a player of that stature, for a guy who is at least in the conversation for leading the league in scoring, he should, he should be just the unequivocal, no-brainer guy to take that shot, and he should make it more often than he has. But um, to, to Russell Westbrook, and I want, I want to make sure that I say this. I don't think that he's misunderstood so much that he as much as he is covered differently than other athletes or he's covered in a way that he should not be because we've seen this same thing with Georgia's favorite quarterback Cam Newton, whereas if a white quarterback does the things that Cam Newton does, then he's highly praised see Josh Allen in Buffalo. But with Cam Newton, we went into that uh, Super Bowl where he's going up against Peyton Manning. It was all flowers and bouquets for Peyton Manning. And everybody was like, well, why does everybody hate Cam Newton? Everybody doesn't hate Cam Newton. There's just, a, uh, there's just this uh, narrative that he's all of these things. Black athletes who, are, t- who tend to be brash, that includes Cam, that includes Russell Westbrook they tend to be covered differently and they t- tend to be covered in a way that is, uh, is ultimately not fair to them. And I think Russell is in, firmly in that camp and he should not be, but the wizards uh, to talk about the team globally. I think the only team that can beat the wizards right now is the wizards. I mean, w- when, w- if Russell is on his game as he has been where he's facilitating and Bradley Beal is making uh, you know, is scoring at a, you know, 45, 50% clip, from the field. Daniel Gafford, who's everybody's favorite player now, is catching lobs and all of that. And Rui Hachimura is coming up as that second, third scoring option. Who's stopping them? And nobody's really scary in the Eastern Conference, to Chris's point. They've already beaten the Nets multiple times. Uh, We've seen that Philadelphia and and Milwaukee are beatable teams, even though they are very strong championship contenders. I, I, I don't know who wants to see the Wizards right now. they're they're, they're, They, I I think they're, I think they can move up from 10 right now. They're sitting at 10. I think they can move up to uh, maybe not to eight, but they are, they could get to eight, not to seven, but I think they could get to eight. And uh, I I don't like the matchup with the Celtics so much, especially if they start getting healthy, but um, I I think they could really make some noise in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Well, the bottom line is also, and this shows you how fragile sports is uh, this conversation has changed. Uh, because of players that were not on the roster at the start of the season. Uh, and that's, uh, that's Alex Lynn uh, and Daniel Gafford. And, Gafford, and, yeah. and his, uh, Thomas Boswell wrote a wonderful column. It is, yes, it's Beal and uh, the story right now for the Wizards, it's Beal and Westbrook and then fill in the blank. It could be Anthony Gill one night helping this team out. So it, there's a, a neat dynamic there, but uh, they're accomplishing what they are accomplishing because they have an all-star center. It just happens to take three players to make up an all-star <laughs> center. But however they're getting it done, we call it the three-headed monster because that, that's an easy cliche to go to. But it really is because at one point last night, they were 14 of 16. The three of them combined, Daniel uh, Gafford, Robin Lopez, and, and Alex Landon. And You don't know which one's going to get more minutes. And again, it's a its a read of the game thing. So the conversation, I think, for the Wizards, what makes them scary is more than Beal and Westbrook is, is they also uh, have something else going on now uh, Dave Preston you're right to jump in jump in
4: yeah well I, I think a couple of things uh first Westbrook's and we've mentioned this early enough in this year he's an incredible catalyst on both ends of the floor and just his presence his intensity rubs off on the other guys you're not going to see players take possessions off while Russell Westbrook is on the floor you're not going to see teams take games off when Russell Westbrook is on this roster uh, two uh, there are what 48 minutes in a regu- in a regulation uh, game five players that's 240 minutes so if you get 40 minutes from Russell Westbrook 40 minutes from Bradley Beal that's 80 out of 80 of your 240 minutes are from those two guards two NBA all stars that means you need to come up with 160 more minutes from the other 10 plus guys And I'm not saying that Rui Hachimura is going to be on every night. Same with Davis Bertans, Neto, Gafford. They're not all going to have their A game every single night. They're not that type of player. But with the luxury of having uh, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal on your roster in your games every night is you don't need the A game from every one of your other players. You can get a great game from Rui one night and. Uh, a so-so night from him another evening. You can get Davis Bertans uh, knocking down six of 12 from three-point range one evening. You can get him being a non-factor the next. Same with Neto, same with Gafford. Uh, but we, I like the complimentary pieces that Tommy Shepard has put together on this roster. A lot of these pieces put together on the fly, uh, not to disparage previous regimes. It didn't feel like these were the moves made on the fly previously. One can all, you know, The glass is always Half full or, you know, hindsight's always 20-20 or 50-50 if I want to quote my favorite ball coach. But it just feels like the moves that Shepard made this year, especially given the pandemic, given the season, every time he's made the move, whether to hit or or hold on at the blackjack table, he's made the correct move. And even when the move is backfired, Thomas Bryant going down with a knee injury, They've been able to recover, and as Rob said, I, I, I don't think anyone in the Eastern Conference can look at the Wizards and say, oh, yeah, I want them in the first round. Do I think that the uh, Wizards can get to a conference final for the first time in, oh, my goodness, oh, so long since 1979? I'm not saying they can because once you get into the playoffs, you're playing four straight games, uh, you know, seven straight games over a two-week span, and things take to, uh, a, a different ilk, but I, I don't think anybody has reason. To take this Wizards team lightly moving towards the postseason.
1: And I'd like to also, so you I think it's, you know, you got to give credit, yes, to Tommy Shepard, but you also got to give credit to Scott Brooks because mm-hmm. he's pushing the buttons now. You keep staying with the hot hand. The rotations, it took a while, yeah, because they were out for so long with COVID. They didn't have practice. They're not really practicing much now. like Dave can attest to that. But um, I have to give Scott credit because and to hear Russell Westbrook say after the game Monday night how much he loves being back with Scott because he lets him be himself on the floor. I think that goes a long way too. You see him and, and other guys kind of fall in line, but I, I just want to, cause I know everybody's the, you know, first to, to crush was we're crushing him earlier this season about uh, and getting him running him out of town. But I think he deserves some credit now.
0: I've always believed in any sport you only change coaches when they really have lost the locker room. Otherwise it's just a sugar pill to appease post-game uh, callers who are, who are rightfully passionate about whatever team. is is what evidence of what is happening now you don't win 13 of 16 games if you've lost uh, the locker room and going through what they went through and 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 again Scott Brooks I know this is his fifth year but it's not his fifth year with the same team if if we were talking about five straight years of the same team and really going nowhere then that's a that's a, a fair question on the coaching but this is really a reboot Within the last year and a half of going to, to young players, and now we're starting to see, as George said, pushing the right rotation. Chandler Hutchison getting involved. There's so many. When do you play which center during the course of a game? Uh, he is he is pushing the right buttons, and and that's that's critical because that's that's this team dynamic. Because we always talk about you know to, to win a title in the NBA, you need a big three, so to speak. And you've got Westbrook, you got Beal, but then after that, it's got to be a collective third person, if you will, to, to be part of the equation. And the one thing about Russell Westbrook, I, it occurred to me this morning that he challenges us, everyone, not only his teammates to be better, he challenges us to be better. Because I'm thinking, how do you write this story on this guy's game? And no player ever had 24 assists and 21 rebounds. He's in the same category, Will Chamber, the last triple-double still besides Westbrook was Oscar Robertson in 1962. So all these Numbers start flying at you, so even challenge us to be better. So how do how do we tell this story? Because Russell Westbrook is doing things that we typically don't write about or talk
3: about. Yeah, I mean, and, you have a point guard who's getting 20 rebound games. I mean, that to me, regardless of what area you're playing in, that's just a mind-boggling number of rebounds for a guy who's not the tallest on the floor. And uh, we were talking about it here uh before we were recording we were talking uh, what is it the, the he's eighth in the league in rebounds dave and everybody above him is is, is like a forward or a big man and then you have it's a point six guard. ten yeah yeah <laughs> you have a point guard is you know so it, it's just it's just crazy the things that he's doing and i hope we appreciate it quite frankly because you know it's a special time to be a DC sports fan, just in general. When you look at the star quality players that we have right now, all of the teams are in the are relevant in the playoff conversations. It's a great time to be a sports fan in DC, and certainly for us who get to cover them for a living.
0: No, it's a great, well, a great point. And again, uh, as we'll shift, and again, nobody here is saying get ready for a parade this summer with the Wizards. But the bottom line is, I think the takeaway is appreciate this team because it is a, a, a lot of fun. Uh, the Nationals, uh, George. What do you, what's your take on, on this team? Is uh, again, I think in, in some ways you you have a manager in Davey Martinez that they went through the hiccups and and dealt with injuries and COVID and et cetera, et cetera. And here as we turn the the page, we're we're talking about a team that's you know competitive once again.
1: Yeah, and it's it's uh, when you think about it, you look up and all of a sudden they're. Uh, tied for first and you know, at the 500 mark and you're still without Steven Strasburg and Juan Soto who are hopefully getting closer to returning. But again, like you mentioned, Davey Martinez, you're putting guys in and playing out of position. Kyle Schwarber has two home runs of the year, both of them, um, you know, game winners. Um, you know, uh, Eric Fetty, Patrick Corbin, maybe heart starting to come around. Joe Ross had a scoreless streak to start the year uh, had a little bit of hiccup, but he's coming back. Uh, Max Scherzer, You know, when the second you think he's down, he comes back with a complete game nine strikeout performance, then goes to the baby and goes to the hospital has a baby. So, you know, these guys kind of uh, weathering the storm here. You know, we've seen them get knocked down and then you you, you, the the, the good part is the East right now. Everybody's beating up on each other. Right. So it's not nobody's going to kind of run away with this thing, I don't think. And you stay in the you stay in the mix. You get to play everybody 18 times, which is a good thing. And, you know, you see what happens. You weather the storm, which is what we've seen this team do so, so often. And you're doing it now without two of your big guns. So, you know, again, how many, how many years have we said, well, wait till this whole lineup gets together. Wait till the whole pitching staff is back. So maybe we're seeing that again. And right now they're treading water and they're above above water, actually, at the top of the division. So uh, it, it's, it's good to see. And hopefully
0: their best baseball is still yet to come. Yeah, and they're not 19 and 31, so they're already right. ahead of the game. I think you've got a sportscast <laughs> coming up, right, George? you got to jump. I do, so that's my right, parting Before, uh, part before part you shot. jump, real quick, you're, we'll get back to the Nats. Your take on the Washington football team draft, you happy with it?
1: Oh, I, I am. I, I think so. And, again, we don't know anything about drafts, right, from two, three, four years down the road, but I, I think they addressed things that they needed to. Jamin Davis, look, I believe Ron Rivera, when he says he was the highest graded player on the board, take him, fine. You address some holes at uh, offensive line. You get a tight end out of the deal too, and the the best thing I, I like that they didn't go crazy trade up to go get a quarterback. I, I I'm very happy with that, and I think they'll be fine.
0: All right, go inform the masses. Tell them we all said hello. Okay, <laughs> I'll tell everybody go. says hello. <laughs> right. We'll go, We'll jump to the, the Washington football team, uh, the draft in a moment. But any other
3: th- thoughts on the Nationals? I'll throw it out. There. Rob, we'll start with you. Uh, It's a really weird season for them because if you look at them statistically, it doesn't make sense because they're, uh, what are they, fifth in uh, batting average, but they have their third worst in runs scored. And then you would think that a team that's not scoring well is 500 because they're pitching extremely well. They're dead center, middle of the road, 15th in ERA. So (laughs) they're not, they're not great at anything. They're just kind of piecing together performances here and there and winning different ways with different guys. And that's very, it it, it kind of reflects what the wizards are doing uh, in a sense uh, in terms of being able to get performances from guys you didn't expect to get big performances from uh, sort of carrying the day. So uh, just like George said, I hope that they do start to get healthy. You get Strasburg back, you get Soto back and hopefully that can spark uh, maybe a run where you can win you know, eight or nine or 10 in a row and, and start to uh, separate in what is a very competitive division. But I mean, the fact of the matter for, the, for them to be at, uh, what are they, 12 and 12 instead of eight and 16 right now, it doesn't sound like, four games doesn't sound like a lot at this period of the season, but it does matter a lot in terms of them being able to weather the storm and then being able to get on a run against some of these better teams as we go deeper into the season.
0: Dave, you don't have as good a tan as Chris, so we'll go to you first.
3: <laughs> oh, oh, you're too kind.
0: I think uh, a, a couple of things about the Nats.
4: First, uh, the move of Starling Castro to third base. He is re- – that was a major question mark. That was a major deficiency offensively last year in the absence of Anthony Rendon. Carter Keboom never found his uh, groove at the plate last year. Starling Castro hasn't just been a productive bat at third uh, in the lineup where they've had him hit, but he made a couple of huge plays this past uh, Sunday. To uh, generate to start up uh, ground uh, uh, double plays uh, to get to help erase some uh, mistakes and uh, help uh, keep things on track for Scherzer. So him being able to move over there, not being a, a minus at third base uh, in the field or at the plate, that has been a huge move for the Nationals this year. And two over the weekend, it began with Lester uh, John Lester making his debut, throwing five scoreless in his. 2021 debut, Patrick Corbin didn't have his best outing of the season, but had his second good outing in three games. And then Max Scherzer tosses his masterpiece on Sunday. If they can, we're not, I'm not saying that they need these guys to go out and pitch lights out every single start, but if Max can, every five out of every seven outings, he's good. Lester three out of every five Corbin three out of every five Fetty three. out. Of, you're going to slowly get what has been they had a four-game winning streak to catapult them into first uh, place. This division, there, uh, everyone else has enough problems in this division that the Nats can go out and win this doing the little things that they're able to do. If they keep their head on straight, if they don't make base running blunders like Victor Robles did again this past Sunday, generating the double steal, that's two Sundays in a row where he's cost them a run. You can't do that if you expect to compete at the highest level. I, I, I like what I've seen. We still need to get the bats of, Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bellinger. Bell has hit much better over the last week or so. Schwarber, though, has been really off and on. He he has those two home runs, but that's been about it. So, uh, again, it's early in the game. It's still early May, but you have to feel good. The glass is more than half full with the Nats
0: at this time. You mentioned the division. The Mets just fired their hitting coaches, so they're a tumultuous division. Now,
2: Chris? I think the last time I appeared on the huddle before I got this tan, I said that Patrick Corbin was the X factor, maybe the biggest one to this team. And I still agree with that. He was awful to start the year. As Dave mentioned, two out of his last three starts have been solid and he's coming around. I mean, we know we're getting out of Strasburg, right? When he pitches, normally it's good, but he's hurt a lot. Scherzer starting to get into his groove. I'm not a Joe Ross guy, really long-term. I would like to see them maybe look at the deadline for a pitcher, maybe look at a team like the Colorado Rockies, if Herman Marquez, because they're not going to be very good. Um, teams like Texas Rangers and Kyle Gibson, stuff like that to shore up that back rotation, because I don't love Eric Fetty either. The uh, bullpen is good enough, and some of these hitters like Josh Bell, great acquisition. Josh Harrison, I thought that guy was done, but he still continues to get multi-hit games. Line up pretty good in the absence of uh, without Juan Soto. So yeah, I, I'm not stressing this team. I think that, look, every time Jacob DeGrom pitches for the Mets, they can't support him and they couldn't hit. As you mentioned, they just fired their, their hitting coach. Uh, Philadelphia's all right, you know, they have their moments, but I don't think their rotation is anything that special. Miami doesn't, dealing with some injuries, they're young, still think Washington is better. Atlanta, still the cream of the... But, but even Atlanta sometimes, um, I think Washington's neck and neck with them. So I'm not... Long story short, not concerned with this team. They'll get through the dog days of summer, and I hope they make some deals at the deadline. I love it. One Beth, last
4: thing, to- I hate to jump in, Dave. One last thing about the Nationals. If you're a Nats fan and you watch their game on Sunday, their, their victory over Miami, and then stayed up late to watch the Mets play the Phillies, you can't feel much better about this team. Seeing those two punch-struck teams basically do everything they could to lose the game and extend the game past midnight. You have to
0: feel good about the Nats' chances. And it's good to get punch drunk in the show. And, and that's what I love about Chris is even with the suntan, he's got an edge. I was about to say, he's about to say he doesn't like me anymore, but anyway. All right. <laughs> final moments. Dave, I-, I was up
2: with you till 2 AM watching DC United Saturday night. How right. could I, how could you say, I don't love you? <laughs>
0: Well, everybody knows how this work. I just got the zoom warning. We're running out of time. Uh, final thoughts. Anybody on the, the NFL draft, Chris, I'll, I'll start with you and, and we'll work around. We'll continue with you, Chris.
2: Uh, Jamin fun? Davis. I thought maybe he was a little bit of an early selection. Um, There were some that had him as a second round grade and whatnot. So uh, over overall, I think that they acquired some depth, especially. Oh, so so here's my biggest takeaway now come to think of it. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan's, probably gone right I mean in in the Mayhew Martin Mayhew was asked about drafting and potentially Kerrigan being back and he was like oh no we have some edge rushers that we acquired in the draft two seventh round guys you could have said oh they're just depth guys we'll see if they make the team no you say that they're going to compete on the roster this upcoming season that doesn't bode well for Kerrigan it's been a great run here um I don't know what the market will be for him I think somebody will pick him up but uh I think Kerrigan's days, I think we all know, are, are his best days are behind him. It's unfortunate because it was staple this this town.
3: Yeah, Rob. Well, I wouldn't rule out him coming back. Uh, that, that that I don't think that's off the table. If it's likely or not is is kind of another question. But I I thought they had a good uh, I thought they had a good draft. And as George mentioned, they didn't go crazy and try to trade up for a quarterback. So I thought that was the best move of all. You take a guy in uh, Jamin Davis, who, uh, I mean, a lot of people have praised that pick as much, you know, maybe you could have gotten him a little later. I don't know. I don't think he would have been on the board in round two, but uh, he he fits what you do. Uh, Certainly we have uh, a head coach and a defensive coordinator here who both played the linebacker position and they probably forgotten more about it than I will ever know. So I trust their judgment when it comes to uh, when it comes to linebackers. So I thought that was a good first round pick. Continue to build that defense, uh, make it go from good to great if that, is, if that pick helps do that. In the second round, instead of uh, going for one of the quarterbacks again, uh, you go with an offensive tackle in uh, Cosme, who uh, from everything I've heard, he's a little bit more raw than you'd like in a second round pick. But if he ends up being your starting left tackle, then you've addressed two areas of need as opposed to trying to jump all the way up for a quarterback that, let's be honest, you're probably not going to start this year anyway. So good on them for sticking to their board, uh, multiplying their picks. We all know that that's kind of the way that you you build a championship roster. And hopefully somebody steps up in that draft. I know a lot of people have been talking about next year, it's not going to be as good a quarterback draft. You know, there, there's always somebody who steps up that you didn't ex- that you didn't expect to see coming. Sort of like a Joe Burrow. I don't think anybody saw that coming. So maybe somebody steps up and 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 becomes that guy who's available for Washington if they're in a position to take them.
0: All right, Dave Preston. Final thoughts, draft Washington or otherwise? Okay. Well, for, i I
4: you do, I'm just happy that there's a sense of confidence as opposed to previous years where it's like, oh my goodness, what is this draft going to bring us? What are they going to trade for three receivers in the second round, Vinny Serato-like? Or are they going to dump a, a, a bunch of draft picks? Um, I'm going to go early. That The wide receiver out of D, uh, BYU, Dax, I am saying that he is the odds-on favorite to win the Babe Laufenberg Award as the Washington football player who does the most in August in the preseason. He's going to be the guy that we're going to be talking about. Like, he is, he is this year's Colt Brennan, where we're like, oh, my goodness, get the ball to Dax. He's he's the new Trey Quinn, so to speak. That's my football take. Hockey, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Capitals with a bit of a hiccup. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Ilya Samsonov, both suspended because of being late to a team function they weren't able to play in monday evenings went over the rangers moving forward that's kind of a concern when you look at the history for these guys great upside fantastic ceiling because nets i thought he was going to be the future star from his play in the 2018 nhl playoffs i thought that that was going to be a transfer of power yes ovi was still going to be great but kuzi was going to be the guy the way he played during those playoff games and He's had some off-the-ice the issues in the last two years. Sam Sonoff uh, had that ATV accident that really helped torpedo their run last year uh, during, the, uh, during the pause during the pandemic. So yeah, the more those things happen, the more you wonder, are those guys serious enough hockey players to be on a championship-driven team like the Capitals? And also you look at the Caps as they gear towards the playoffs. They're 3-4 and four this season so far against Boston. Two, two, and four against Pittsburgh. Six and two against the Islanders. The three potential teams that they would face in the postseason. And I think, it, from what I've seen, their games with the Islanders have been the toughest, even though they've won six of eight of them. So there, a lot of question marks surrounding the Capitals. Even though in Caps we trust, they've been a good team the last decade plus.
0: And it, again, we don't know what a lower body injury is because it could be anything from a broken <laughs> leg to you know a, a scratch on the knee, but. You wonder if they should rest Alex Ovechkin uh, down the stretch because uh, right. uh, I get you're I still would've. jockeying for position in the standings, but as we've seen in the in, in the past, it's what you do you know, in the yeah, postseason. it doesn't
3: matter in the NHL. How many presidents' matter. trophies have they won and then lost? Right, right. For so, second round. So. And again,
0: that's I, I don't know the Nate, but it just concerned me when he only got through 39 seconds of the Rangers game on Monday night and had to go off. So that, that tells me that he's now missed – Basically, five games, uh, four games, and, and only played 39 seconds in one. Uh, to me, that's a concern, and, and you want him rested and ready for the postseason. And we are cheap. We don't want to pay for extra time. So our WTLP huddle comes to an end. Boy, we all better get in the tanning booth next week to keep up with Chris, but it's good to have first back. Right. It's a- <laughs> no, I don't know. You're, you're a little bit too shiny. I think you you need to get the tanning booth too. Uh for the whole gang, Dave Preston, George Wallace, Christiana, Rob Woodfork, I'm Dave Johnson. Thanks for your time.